This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. So you have done studies about this uh, flexible school start time, looking at the teenage sleep time and how it persists. Uh, would you like to tell a little bit more about different studies that you have? You have done studies related to actimetry and and sleep-wake behavior of inward patients. And yeah. Um, yeah, so usually... Um, I basically use, uh, to, so what I use in my studies as, as methods is usually actimetry, which is, um, you probably covered this here in the podcast, but it's just a, a way of measuring um, daily activity. Uh, and of course, you might wonder, how do I derive sleep from this? So basically, we have just the sleep um, or this um, breast activity patterns that we can use uh, or derive from, from using actimetry devices. Um, and then you have different algorithms you can choose and then this would estimate your sleep time. And um, yeah, and so I use this for the school studies, but in, in addition, we also use this for um, for other studies. Of course, it's a very, um, very common thing to do. Um, and I also used it in a study in in an in inward patient, uh, so in a clinic where we studied people with depression as well. But there it already gets a bit more complicated because as soon as you have um, medication, for example, that could affect your activity or your, um, well, your activity level or also, for example, your sleep. If you have, you know, medications that make you more sleepy because you have sleep problems and so on. So it gets very dirty there. And especially when people don't move a lot. So also, for example, in, in settings like uh, care homes where people just sit around the entire day and you don't have this marked difference between um, your daily activity during the day and your inactivity at night, then it gets quite difficult to estimate sleep. Yeah. And and how do you see, you said about medication, do you, do you know a lot of people using it that you would kind of see the effects of medication by measuring actimetry, measuring the physical activity and sleep parameters. Many, for example, antidepressants probably affect the activity behavior and sleep behavior. Do you do you know people using it kind of as an optimization tool for medication? Mm, so I I personally don't really. I only know it from the um, from the context in the clinic. But I I do know that in the US, for example, it's much more accepted to to take a lot of medication that would um, also affect um, your sleep or that sort of activity level, basically. Yeah, and when you when you say actimetry. I assume you you mean that you have an accelerometer on the wrist most most of the time. This, or am I correct? Yeah, exactly. I mean, in my case, I always use it at the wrist, um, and that would be from. I mean, that could be different manufacturers, of course, um, and you would wear it like a like a watch on the wrist, exactly. But uh, in other populations, you could also use it um, on the leg, for example, if you study babies. So it, it's yeah, I, it's just that the algorithms that we typically use are mostly. Um, uh, validated against uh, uh, or are used for when you have it on the wrist. Yeah, I, I think there's like in physical activity. I think historically it's been on the wrist uh, for for certain reasons or, or on the waist, and now it's moving more for the to the thigh because 
we know more about sedentary behavior and with the tie we can detect so i think there's a transition in the in the wearing location how do you see in sleep and circadian research do you do you think the wrist is the best place uh, or do you think it's more like a historical reason that it's it's there yeah that's a good um that's a good question and i think you know especially it might depend on the question and um, what you're really interested in but if you already want to know more about body position for example i guess um, the wrist isn't really the ideal place um uh, to wear it um and i guess uh, also if you think about that it's quite a mess how we deal with this actimetry data so there is no you know no real common way where we all agreed like as researchers on how we pre-process this data and then determine this is like off wrist which means that we are not wearing it or um, just periods of uh, um, yeah unclear data where we're not really sure what the person really did whether that was a potential nap or just you know resting in front of your tv this is always a problem and so sometimes if you have more information like for example temperature or also body position it at least gives you additional ideas of uh, what the person might have been doing and so um, I guess um, we will need to see but I think uh, I'm you know it, I'm not focused on we need to have it on the wrist in fact actually the wrist can also be a bit of a problem if you for example like to sleep on your side or have your arm on your you know underneath your head then this can be quite um painful because you you know when you sleep on it for like eight hours then you get these marks on your skin and it's really uncomfortable and so this is actually one of the reasons why I wanted to try out the Fibion sensor because I thought um you know first of all I wanted to get rid of this off wrist times when people take it off because they have a shower or they do some sort of sports where I don't know combat sports or other things where you have to take it off and so you always have to clean the data uh, and this is relatively annoying and the second thing is that it's it's can be very uncomfortable so you already pre-select specific people who are comfortable with wearing these devices on the wrist and for, for example me myself i don't really like it wearing um watches or actimeters and so i can definitely I, I really know how it feels and it's not so comfortable and so having tried out the fibion sensor this is not advertisement now <laughs> but i think it's just one of the uh, one of the good things that um, when you have it uh, in such a way that you uh, did it with the fibion sensor that it's just more well it's really not noticeable so it's it doesn't interfere with the life of the of, of the uh, with the daily life of the participants basically for most sedentary behavior and physical activity researchers, collecting the research data is one of the most frustrating steps of a project, especially as inefficient data collection steals too much of your precious time, causes unnecessary stress and hassle, and can easily derail progress of your project. This is why we devised a revolutionary new way to collect data. Introducing Fibian Sense Motion, the beginning of a new era. Fibian Sense Motion is a cutting edge next generation system that allows you to easily and remotely collect, store, and manage data. Our solution features a tiny waterproof device that captures the sedentary behavior and physical activity data a mobile app for automatic uploading of the data from the device, and a cloud service for managing the data. Even better, all collected data is GDPR compliant, and you have access to automatically analyzed variables of activity types and raw 3-axis accelerometer data. 
Don't compromise on the quality of your research or the project timeframes. Discover the convenience and power behind our solution at sense.fibian.com. That is S-E-N-S dot Fibian, created by researchers for researchers. Yeah, so maybe for listeners, the Fibian circadian, you, you wear it on the on the back and it's quite a small sensor, so you, you shouldn't feel it. So basically, when you wear it on the wrist, it's kind of easier because people have used to wearing watches. They know how to put it on, but also it's visible. It's I haven't actually thought about that, but I usually keep my hand under my head when I'm sleeping on the side, so that, that would be would be annoying. But then when you have it out of sight on the back or on the thigh, it doesn't, people don't take it off. What kind of experiences you had, you tested with some people, how, how did they find wearing the device on the back? Yeah, so basically we tested it. Um, so we, we had participants who were wearing both the, the actimeters and also the Fibion devices. Um, although I didn't put them on the back, but on the thigh. So they were wearing it on the thigh. And it's basically what I suspected. So basically, um, most of them were also fine with having them at the at the wrist, but they all preferred um, having it on the thigh. So um, also because they hardly noticed, they never had any problems um, that it was painful or anything. They also never took it off. And so basically, I can reduce non-wear time uh, quite a lot. I mean, one one thing is that the patches, for example... Uh, if you wear it for a very long time, like I will, I will maybe do that in one of my studies that people have to wear it for very, very many weeks. Then you know, eventually your skin might get irritated because of the patches where you place it on. So that's a bit of an issue, but there might be things around that. Um, yeah, and so in general, I think it it was like I expected that it would reduce the non-wear time, and it also it's also more comfortable. Yeah, when you said that if you wear it several weeks, I would then recommend changing between left and right, maybe after one and a half week, two weeks, I, I would change it probably on the other side. And how, how do you see basically from the thigh, you could detect that are you sleeping on the left side? Are you sleeping on the stomach? Are you sleeping on the right side? Of course, it's a little bit your upper body can be kind of twisted a little bit differently than your legs but at least it would give some indication if you are sleeping on the side or on the back do you see that useful information so basically from the from the thigh you can detect whether a person is sleeping on the side or on the on the back do you find this uh, kind of interesting or useful information the sleeping positions um, so for my research question at the moment, it's not important to know that actually, but I could see that, I mean, it doesn't harm if you have that information and um, eventually I could also maybe think about um, incorporating that um, into, into further research questions. So, I mean, if it's just another information that we have without really having any, uh, having to do any further effort, it's always good to have that, I think. Yeah. And you said that people like to wear it more on the thigh than, or they prefer the thigh than wrist. Is there any, any disadvantages that you see from the kind of data, data point wearing it on the thigh? Is there, is it less sensitive or something? Or how, how, how would you see compared to wrist? Is there difference detecting sleep and, and other parameters you want to measure? Well, in terms of accuracy and so on, I don't know yet because I haven't really, um, really done the analysis. 
analysis. But one thing that I can think of is that usually actimetry or actimeters often also have a light sensor. And um, so you wouldn't really, of course, <laughs> wouldn't really be able to measure light from the thigh, um, especially not uh, when it, you know, as long as you wear uh, clothes um, on top of it. Um, but having said that, at the same time, the light sensor that are integrated in their actimeters often are also really not useful because they are not at the eye level. And, um, you know, as I uh, explained earlier here, um, light is one of the important things for our circadian rhythm, also for alertness, for, you know, making you less sleepy and so on, or more sleepy, depending on <laughs> what light. Um, and so, although I get the light information from uh, from the actimeter, I mean, most of the time, especially in the winter, you know, the, the sleeve would be covering it and so on. So the data are themselves sort of, you know, we don't really know how good they are. It really depends. When, when it's in the summer, it's much better. In the winter, it's worse. Um, and even then, you know, sleeves are always a problem. So, I mean, in, 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 re in sleep research and chronobiology research now, there is this um, trend towards basically yeah, inventing new sensors that are more, that could be worn on the eye level because this is where the information is important and not whether you have light on the wrist or not. And so, of course, uh, having it on the back or the thigh, you wouldn't really be able to integrate that with a light sensor. Yeah. So we basically interested about the light hitting the eyes, but it's a little bit difficult to have sensors in the head, maybe, or not not so convenient. You could have it on the on the neck, basically like a necklace, which probably relates quite closely what the light that is hitting your eyes. Do, do you have any? Any innovations? What kind of things people have tested with the light sensor? How could you conveniently wear it? Mm. I mean, the neck uh, necklace idea is exactly the one that people have tried out. Um, then there is also um, another one where um, you could attach it, so you would wear glasses, and then it would be sitting um, on the side of your glasses. So it would look a bit like you know an alien. <laughs> um, um, these were the sort of main things that were tested. Um, we are currently developing one in the lab now as well. Um, and uh, so, I mean, the thing is, it's not a big market. You know, this is, you know, this is where the innovations always stop because then one lab or one group, uh, you know, invents one and then no one really buys it and it's only for researchers and then, you know, it dies. And so this is a bit of a problem because we could have a lot of nice, um, really nice data and um important data that really would be valuable but it doesn't you know the, the field isn't big enough i think you would need to try to give us a good argument to to, to make apple uh, <laughs> uh, make this but then even, even if apple does it then we don't have uh, access to it so that's the other problem <laughs> yeah and if you have a light sensor that can distinguish different uh, color of light you can probably detect like if person is using screens, if you have it on the eye level and you detect the blue light, is it correct or does it work? Like yeah, that? exactly. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily be able to say this person is definitely in front of a laptop, but you would be seeing that um, this person receives a lot of specific light. Although having said that, the sensors that are currently in use um, only give you basically light intensity and then a specific wavelengths, but it's not the unit that they use and the way it's measured, um, this is not the unit that is sensible for the eye. So this is not how the eye perceives it. And so um, new sensors also need to integrate different ways of um, 
of measuring it. So it's actually a more meaningful uh, value that we get out of these sensors that make sense uh, in terms and that make biological sense, basically. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.